Sasageo! Sasageo. We are the Otaku Host Club podcast, and this is our Road to Paradise, our weekly final season Attack on Titan discussion episode. If you can't wait to hear our thoughts on the newest episode, consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Otaku Host Club, where we offer early access and ad-free content. We also have a flagship bi-monthly show where this month we're talking about everything Moe. And uh, you can find those on most listening platforms or on our website at otakuhostclub.com. Links for everything are in the show notes. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Since we missed a week, we are talking about episodes 83, Pride, and 84, Night of the End. Yeah, I was fascinated that episode 83 is the first Attack on Titan episode that I can remember that has a content warning at, oh. at the top of the episode. Literally, not only was yeah, it it's true. at the top of the episode, it was in the episode description. There was nothing On except for a, a yeah. content warning. And literally, yeah. like, two seconds after I got into the content warning, you already see a dead man, and then someone just gets shot. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get, like, what about this episode is more, like, intense or extreme than any other given episode of Attack on Titan. Man, they, they didn't content warning the gratuitous mass violence or people getting chopped up. They didn't content warning somebody's, like, weird torture scat machine. Yeah. They didn't content warning, you know, the uh, uh, Grisha, you know, annihilating some small children. Uh, or like this giant, um, the giant King Titan getting half his face, you know, getting the front of his face blown the fuck off and you can oh, like, shit, see the inside yeah. of his face. Mm-hmm. But what, mm-hmm. they content warning Hanji sniping somebody from <laughs> off screen? Like, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that is a little odd. Maybe I mean, it could, is there people are complaining, you know? Well, maybe. Who's who's complaining by episode eighty three? <laughs> Angry moms. Yeah. Angry moms. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? So Levi was shirtless in this episode. Hell the fuck yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know you guys can't relate, but it's okay. Every all my Levi stands out there, they can relate. Yeah, well, wait, was he? When was he shirtless? When, he when was Hanji shirtless. was patching him up? Yeah, he was shirtless. Oh, uh, well, I suppose Carl I was. Did, <gasps> Carl said that this is his uh, husbando, which uh, in his last, no, last strictly series episode where they're like, "Who's mm. your?" Who's your waifu and your husband? And I, I mean, said literally, that, uh, Levi. A Levi was my husband too. Um, I forget which um podcast I was listening to, but um, they were talking about different ships in their different, like their different ships, and um, someone was saying that like their ship was Hanji and Levi, and I was like, no, bitch, no. yeah, Hanji is my husband. That's why I don't ship him with any <laughs> anyone. Nobody's good enough for Levi except for me. <laughs> no, I, I, I think Hanji and Levi is one of the most heartwarming couples of Attack on Titan. No, 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 no. If no, not no, the no. most heartwarming of all. I don't, are they, I don't even, I don't even get couple vibes from them, to be honest. I get like, well, it's very, it, it's very, 
Well, it's very under to me. It, it comes across as very understated and subtle couple vibes in mm. a way that is very realistic. Hmm. Where like neither of them are like they haven't yet recognized their feelings, but it's not like they're. Really I don't think they. Date somebody uh, no, else. no, beach. There's no feeling. There's no feelings there at all. There's no feelings. There's no feelings. <laughs> oh, I, I think there's feelings. That of, that of friends is the only feelings that are having. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily invite my friends to come live out in the woods with me forever. You know? I mean, if I didn't get an invite, I'd be pissed. So I suspect I mean, both of them are asexual. But yeah. <laughs> There's no sexual energy I'm feeling here. Though I'd like to see a spin-off yeah. if this is the case. Let's mm. see it. Okay. All right. Um, I got a question though. Who was the man in Hanji's flashback? Uh, that was that was Pastor Nick. That was his name. That was the guy that um they capture and beat up to uh, um, gather information. They they question him for information. Hmm. In the okay. beginning of season two, I think it hmm. is. Okay. I'm just wondering. Hmm. I'm trying to place that man in my Attack on Titan memory. <laughs> well, I'm I'm still trying to place who the fuck is this this blonde bitch that Mikasa's talking to, <laughs> who's who's like consistently in the last couple episodes, and I'm like, who are you? Like, I have literally no memory of you whatsoever. <laughs> You know, she's like, oh, I've got, I've, yeah, I've got your scarf. I talked to Aaron about you and I was like, you did? Why the fuck was Aaron talking to you? (laughs) Yeah. Also, why are you you creeping on me? Like, what is your obsession with me right now? Like, I don't care about, clearly I don't care about you. (laughs) Yeah. I like how Mikasa was just like, give it back. Give me my fucking scarf back, dude. And then, and then she takes it and walks out of the room and those girls like, (laughs) You know, I don't regret anything in my life because I just modeled my life after you. And Mikasa okay. just like literally doesn't give a fuck. Just walks right out the door. Like, are you still talking for some reason? Because I think Mikasa and I are on the same vibe. We're like, who the fuck are you? Like, why are you talking right now? To me, it kind of feels like um, some like those people that you meet where like they just have to talk. They just have to like tell you about things. They don't really care about your opinion or anything. So to me, it was more like um, this person is just literally telling herself out loud to Mika- to Mikasa like what she needs to hear to like move on to like pass away because right. she's all like, "I got shrapnel in me. I'm not gonna even live to see what Aaron makes." And we're all like, "Okay, <laughs> and you are who?" Okay. Um, but yeah. Yeah, like literally the audacity. Who is like who do you think you are? Um, telling me about my friend and what he said about me. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm. I don't care but if I, you if you had a conversation with him. Like, this scarf still means whatever it means to me, and that's and that's all that matters. <laughs> Yeah, well, that must have been, you know, that would, uh, I'm assuming that was Aaron's point when he says that he wants to get rid of the scarf, that this is about freeing Mikasa's, you know, uh, link to Aaron. You know, it's about 
trying to force Mikasa to have agency and to have independence of personality rather than just being like Aaron's support staff. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, yeah. Why? Why the fuck is that woman talking? You know? <laughs> I, I don't know. Man, I, I, I just wish that. Uh, like, I feel like if I had watched the first half of the last season, right, and then gone into the second half, I might remember who that woman is. But too much time has passed. This is why I don't like watching things, you know, week by week, year by year, mm. in real time. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't remember who that person is. Well, and that's what I was saying in the last episode about how Annie's like, oh, um, now I, I love my father, my fake father. I love him so much. I don't want to kill him. You know, I want him to live. We have to stop Aaron. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, this has been f- like what you've been in a crystal for four years. Why do you even care about this man anymore? <laughs> like, mm. They bring in all they're, they're bringing in these characters that we don't know that we haven't seen since season one, season two, that literally has been like 10 years since it aired. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't. I can't well, imagine how years. Imagine how painful the uh, reading the manga must have been if you're only oh, reading God. the manga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's dedication. True enough. True enough. Yeah. Speaking yeah. Of, of old characters, our, our girl Hitch. Really gets done wrong in this episode, in my opinion. Yeah, who the fuck Hitch? I don't know Hitch. who she is. <laughs> oh, Hitch! Hitch had the uh, Hitch was the military police no, in know. the inner interior wall that had no, the boyfriend that joined the scout regiment. Yeah, and Hitch and her boyfriend are cool. I like the two of them. Okay, but but I, then Annie Annie just ghosts on Hitch, or I guess she doesn't technically ghost on her, but just like ditches her. It's just like, oh, I, I found my friends I like more, so I just fucking up and left you behind. I mean, Annie's like, been oh a bitch God. since the first season, so I don't know. I want like how how are you surprised? Annie's been a bitch this whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I, I just feel like. You know, couldn't they have just waited a couple minutes for Hitch to come back to the table and been like, Hitch, would you like to join us in stopping Aaron? Yes or no? You know, like, <laughs> no, I, everything I, needs to happen immediately. The, yeah, they could have extended the invitation. But instead, Hitch just comes back to a note being like, oh, sorry, I, I, I found my friends that I like more than you and I just decided to leave. You know, goodbye. Was like, that was the most un not uneasy it just felt very out of place that entire interaction of them getting the pies and then going oh it's annie Annie just happens to be sitting there and yeah really react mm-hmm. the way you would think they would react after seeing them not seeing her for four years it seems a little, it just didn't feel right to me i don't know if that's directional choice manga choice whatever i don't know well, it, it is that way in the manga but yeah I, I agree it's a little too forced to just coincidentally have annie sitting right next to them. <laughs> and I, you know, this is a little thing, but the animation in, in that episode oh, really was oh, like so bad. the way people laughed. Yeah. yeah. Like when Connie was laughing at Annie and her, his whole body was like weird, <laughs> stilted gyrating. <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh, what the hell? <laughs> well, even, uh, even yeah. Falco, when he's crying, it's literally just him like jumping up like the screen. Vibrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was just vibrating. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. Nappa, I see where you're cutting the corners and I get it, but I don't like what I'm seeing. Yeah. Definitely a low um, point. And I feel you notice, 
You, it takes place though, right after the t- um, the Titan grabs, uh, Peak grabs, um, you know, um, uh, I'm blanking Yelena, on the names. Yelena and Yakupon. Y- oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, from the rooftop. I just this blew my mind. This episode, Peak's last name is Finger. What the <laughs> fuck? What? I'm sorry. What? What? When did that happen? Her name's Finger? Finger? With a G? Not Finger with a K? No, with a G. At least that's what the subtitles I was reading. I was like, her name is Peak Finger? Finger? What? Peak Finger. Ugh. That's a (laughs) nasty name. (laughs) (laughs) So what I I couldn't understand about the scene of Peak uh, charging through and, and grabbing everybody was why Gene pushed uh, the redhead out of the way. What's the redhead guy's name again? Uh, 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 Flock. Flock. Flock, yeah. Why Gene pushed Flock out of the way? Because G- he didn't want Gene to come with him. I mean, he didn't want Flock to, Flock to come with but him. But why not? Oh, because Flock's on the other side, and that was a, that was a coup. Yeah, that was but a then whole... you could, yeah, but then you could capture the head of the other side. And mm. either kill them or bargain with mm. them, but it would place them in a major strategic advantage to have Flock off the table. I mean, Card Titan should have just yum yum ate him. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean? um, that's what I'm saying. They could have oh, they could have okay. just grabbed him and then killed him, or they could have grabbed him and not killed him and held him for negotiations or you know try to force his hand about something. But it just seemed like a missed mm-hmm. opportunity. I, I and, and I say that in so far as I don't I understand that capturing Flock was not the objective, but if Flock is literally like standing right there, like Gene had to go out of his way to prevent Flock from getting captured, and I was like, why? You know, like probably would have been better to just let him be captured. Hmm. Mm. Couldn't fit in the mouth. Too many bodies. Now that mouth's big. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big mouth. Yeah. Yeah, now that you say it, yes, I absolutely. Why? Why not? That sounds good to me. They probably just didn't have the plan. The plan wasn't to capture Flock. The plan was to get the other yeah. people out. You gotta, you gotta be flexible, man. You gotta think Come ahead, on. you know? Yeah. Hmm. Because he pushes Flock out of the way like he's really concerned about Flock. And then I, I thought, well, maybe he's trying to make it look like he sacrificed himself for Flock. And, and then. Oh, maybe. But then I was like, but what what would he gain from looking like he didn't change sides? Or like, uh, I don't. So he could go back yeah. and forth. I, I guess I'm, a, I'm, yeah. I'm spitballing here. I mean, it, it would presumably open the door to like, you know, he's still like, it's not clear to flock and crew that he has uh, betrayed them, but does it matter if he betrayed them or not at this point? Or like, like he's not planning on being a double agent or anything as far as I can tell. So like what, what does he care about appearances by that point? So I don't know. I mean, the whole thing was, just struck me as is kind of a little ill thought out, and that's in the manga. 
Yeah. It's in the manga like that? Okay. I think so. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, we should jump back to Connie. Yeah, Connie's with Falco. Uh, Connie's on a trip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to throw that throw Falco into the mouth of his mother. Not a Um so I'm sensing a theme with these scout troops. Um, it, they have a hard time thinking their thoughts inside their head and not, and instead of, you know, they keep saying everything aloud so that everyone can hear <laughs> their plans. Yeah. This happened twice in this episode <laughs> where I'm like, can y'all just keep your mouth shut when you're thinking? So my my biggest takeaway from that scene is that Attack on Titan has become the story of goofy faces like Great Teacher Onizuka. Like, what is up with Connie's? Like every every couple episodes, somebody's got a crazy reaction face. You know, first it was uh, who's Yelena. Yeah, you know, Yelena was was a big one, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. A second one, Falco and uh, his little giraffe, like. Hmm. Kind of when he was running. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Connie's getting in on the fun too now because now he's also got some like weird meme, you know, like intense face. And he's like, and why then, don't like, you brush my mommy's teeth? <laughs> like, what the hell? Ain't nobody buying that, dude. Come on. I mean, for real, it would have been better if he just fucking stabbed Falco and shoved him in his mom's mouth. I know. Like, because I don't, Falco what's even the point, point of keeping. Falco at this point still doesn't realize that he ate Galliard and can turn into a Titan whenever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. again, what's even the point of keeping up appearances? Is it just because Connie's a sensitive boy and he doesn't want to face the, the facts of this? Yeah. I mean, he should just, I mean, if he's serious about this, he should just fucking knife this kid in the back, like get him right in the kidney. And then when he's like, when Falco's mm-hmm. fucked up, but not dead, just, you know, Pick him up and toss him in his mom's mouth. Yeah. Um, Connie literally did not even look like himself with that face on. Like, (laughs) um, like, (laughs) I was like, am I looking at the same character? Same thing when Annie was stuffing her face. I'm like, these don't look like the same characters. It doesn't look like that character is making a face. It looks like completely different people. Annie, Annie. I, I did feel that way watching Annie eat that pie, but I, I chalked it up to the idea that like, well, they drew Annie kind of with chubby cheeks to accentuate how she's like mm. stuffing her face because she's so emaciated from not eating in a long time. Mm. So Armin comes in to save the day with a grand plan. That he has not thought out, but decides to do it anyway. And it worked out for him. It worked out for him. Yeah. Sacrificing yourself. Yeah. He like simultaneously um, gave himself the courage that he had been looking for. Because like last episode, he was all like, I can't ever be like Erwin. But like, you know, he's making mm-hmm. tough decisions like Erwin would. Um, and he follows through with them. And... Connie comes and rescues him right before that Titan mouth go, arm, arm, arm. 
And Connie then realizes, like, oh, shit, I've, like, literally been crazy for the past, like, 24 hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I am not this person. My mom wouldn't w- want me to do this. And she definitely wouldn't want who have been turned into a colossal titan. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, let's leave her here. Let's go on about our day. <laughs> yeah, I also thought that was a great move on Armin's part. Mm. Yeah. Show the level of the lengths in which she can go. Well, it's. it's, it's like, oh, sorry. No, I don't know. I was just. Yeah, the length, I don't know. Just the uh, sort of a. The conviction. Show, yeah, and like his moral compass was correct. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was the conviction. The. He displayed an immense amount of conviction and resolve towards his own morals and worldview. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was really, yeah, great. You know, it was a, a solution that you know, would resolve everybody's issues for everyone. You know, if Armin would take the hit and he rose to the challenge mm-hmm. to take the hit. Mm-hmm. But of, of course, you know, when, when they're presented with the reality of, you know, these resolutions then yeah people like connie are like oh no actually this was terrible and i should never have you know wanted to sacrifice somebody to bring back my mom hmm. which i agree there's no value in bringing back mom <laughs> relative to like sacrificing armin or falco <laughs> I'm, I'm still i'm still on my like wait there's going to be only two thousand human beings left trip like you got to think about you know, who, who's left. Every life is sacred at that point. You know, every life Mm -hmm. is important. You're strategically choosing, you know, like who's the most important person to keep alive. when there's only a set number of people left on the planet feasibly. Yeah. I was going to touch on Flock's speech Mm because that was a very Zeon, like very, um, you know, sort of, I'm a dictator and that's what I'm going to be. And I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, the way things are headed, I suppose. Yeah, it was very nationalistic. Very, uh, not, uh, I don't know, not exactly fascist, but yeah, right wing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's still on his power trip. Yeah, and then we jump. now. And stealing it really bad. What did you say? I said he thinks um, he's still on his power trip. He thinks he's the king now. So the only thing, um, the only other thing I would talk about about the episode besides Flock's speech is just the Avengers assemble scene where they go and get Reiner and then move on to the next episode. Sure. So Flock gives the right wing speech and then they go and pick up Reiner. Mm-hmm. Locks on a power trip, and he thinks he's the king because he's got Aaron in his court. Kind of a rude wake up on Reiner. They just kick him in the face. <laughs> I would too. Bitch, get the fuck up. Like, let's go. You are a sore sack. Like, with <laughs> everyone else is like, um, everyone else is like, making the best of the situation. They're like, okay, we're going to go fight for what we believe in. And Reiner's like crying in his bed. <laughs> Like, he's supposed to be the symbol of, like, strength for these people, but, like, he's just crying in his bed about it. 
Yeah, he's he's kind of continued to devolve into sad sackiness. Mm-hmm. Did he even want to go with the Avengers? You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just feeling the peer pressure. Mm. Yeah. When everybody's like at you with their hands and they're like, let's go. He's like, mm, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that brings us to the next episode, where we have this kumbaya campfire happening, where everybody's getting their feelings out. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the AA yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, well, before we... So we, we begin at first with this little flashback of Hanji basically haunting Jean. We have... Hanji at the window, knocking on the window, being like, hey, hey, Gene, you still up? Where you at? Oh. And Gene's sitting right next to the window with hands over his ears going, you're not there. <laughs> I don't hear you. You're not there. I thought you meant Hanji was the one creating his daydream of his fancy life in the interior. I was like, wait, what? Did I miss something? No, well, Hanji's like practically haunting him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Gene is ready to kind of become a poser Jaegerist. And just so, that, you know, so that he can find his way into the kind of, of lifestyle that he's al- always aspired to. Mm-hmm. And then Hanji is like, yeah, the the ghost of Christmas past or <laughs> something, just, just lurking right, side, right outside his window being like, hey, Gene, remember when you used to have like morals and stuff? You know, remember you, you like had some friends? Well, so that confuses me because wasn't Gene, Gene was part of the Cart Titan Magath um, takeover. So what, they just like went back, yeah. to, they went back to their own rooms after that happened? Like, I'm, I'm confused. Like, why didn't y'all meet? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what happened that, that Hanji, Mikasa, and Gene all got together. And then agreed that, you know, this is what they want to do. And then they formulated the plan that involved having, you know, Gene help the cart Titan steal away on Yakapon and Yelena Mm -hmm. and Mikasa grabbing Armin and everybody else. And they, you know, rush out with the supplies. So that that conversation between Hanji and Jean and Mikasa would have happened uh, prior to, or like like would have happened sometime during you know the course of events of the previous episode. It was Got a little it. bit of a flashback. Okay, that's yeah. where I was confused because I thought they did the plan. Next episode, why are they back in their own room? <laughs> I thought they did the plan yeah. and they assembled. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it was a little bit of a flashback, and I, I think it's mm-hmm. an important one. It was an important scene and a, and a really great scene. You know, the uh, I love the motif, I guess you could say, of of the dead scout regiment, like looking at currently living scout regiment people, mm-hmm. and you know, whenever the scout regiment, you know, living scout regiment people are like, think of all of our, you know 
our fallen comrades that gave their hearts for the freedom of humanity. And it's up to us to make their sacrifice meaningful. And I, uh, yeah, that, that whole motif, you know, come has come up before, you know, like Irwin had the same kind of, of visuals around him mm-hmm. uh, when he was talking with Levi Anji brings up the same visuals again. And I, yeah, I find it very resonating. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Hmm. What about that the being person? Said, uh, well, what about the person in the window in the previous episode? Was that supposed to be Jean looking out? No, because Jean would be in the cart Titan's mouth. So that I don't think they, they have not revealed who that person was. Okay. Who? Okay. Who are we talking so, about? In the previous episode, there are, there's a shadow in the window of the tower, and then we don't. They don't really specify who that is. And I'm uh, like, well, it couldn't I guess it really couldn't be Gene because then that wouldn't make any sense. Hmm. Well, never mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess at this point we can assume it was Flock. Hmm. That Flock saw. You know, Mikasa and Armin and or, uh, Gabby and Falco running off with the right. the horses and, and the carts of supplies. And that's what inspires him to get, you know, all the Jaegerists on the train and head down to the port. Because he puts it wow. together like, oh, you know, I bet that the cart Titan didn't just randomly attack Gene. I bet that this is all some big thing to get this group of people off the island. So we better get to the port. I don't think it was flock because I don't think flock is that smart. I think he, uh, I don't think he's that smart to realize that. Um, I think Mm. it was the lady at the end of the episode. Oh, the, uh, the foreigner lady, the Osmobito lady, you know, the the lady that, um, tried to get Mikasa to come back to their clan because she got the tattoo. Yeah, could be. She was all like, I see this plan happening, and uh, we need to have a counter plan for their counter plan. Right. Because that's a smart lady. Flock, not so much. But that lady, she's smart. Mm-hmm. Flock does ask where Mikasa is. It kind of leads to believe that, oh, he's figuring out. He's figuring things out. So, interesting. Yeah, and I was just saying it's a little, it's an interesting plot device or plot twist sort of um Hmm. keep you in the shadows (laughs) as it will Mm -hmm. as it were yeah i mean Mm -hmm. that late i feel like that lady's always in the shadows to me she came out of nowhere a little bit i was like oh and it just so happens that mikasa has this too from this tribe of japanese people okay sure why not (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. i didn't know that before but i guess i know it now thank you so much for the info yeah, uh, that's some kind of awkward writing after the fact, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, they manage to escape the tower. Uh, they and then they go run off in the woods and have their big powwow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are there are things about the powwow that I like and things that I don't like. I liked the sequence of profile shots that they gave each character as they kind of went around in conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw online that there were other people that did not think that sequence looked good. Uh, 
I heard I heard someone describe it as looking like a PowerPoint sequence. Hmm. But I, I thought it was kind of emotionally resonating to have each character in profile and and you know, showing them all interacting with each other like this. So I could see the the kind of line of logic or like why why somebody would think that was a good idea. Although I, I understand the critique that worked that decision worked for me. Uh, what I did not like was these like forty five seconds worth of tree branch shots with Reiner you know, talking over it uh, is like, why are we just looking at mediocre tree branches? You didn't like close up soup shots. Close up. Well, the close up soup. The close up soup shots were not like, uh, they felt natural to the flow of things mm. and they were not intrusive. But the tree branches were like, okay, now we're going to look at some tree branches. You know, I mean, it was like 45 seconds worth of screen time. Well, I think they're trying to, I think they're trying to convey that the, uh, the sun is rising because it's supposed to, because it's called night of the end. So I feel like they have been talking, they're like, oh, we've been talking for so long that the sun is now rising. Here's the trees. Look at the tops of the trees. It looks like the sun's about to rise kind of thing. Oh, I, I thought it was meant to convey that they're out of schedule and out of budget and they're trying to <laughs> parse everything out mm-hmm. as best they can. You know, make sure yeah, that the action sequences to- of the next few episodes look good. Mm. Let's give it to the interns. We'll save well, on money and yeah. time crunch. You know, yeah. keep things keep things light. Well, I don't think the the I I kind of like the the shots like how they filmed the campfire scene. Cause like, I don't need to see everybody all at once, but they were specifically going over everyone's uh, kill stats. So it was kind of like their profile, their <laughs> profile, like they were getting, uh, you know, booked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it worked for me. I didn't <laughs> even like stats. notice it really. Yeah. Hmm. Plot wise, I, I thought that whole yeah, I thought the whole powwow conversation was terrific. Yeah, you know the you know plot wise, dialogue wise, emotionally, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was awesome. And you know this this uh, episode was a pretty much one for one adaptation straight out of the manga. Okay. I mean, it was like followed the manga to a T, other than just interjecting all these tree branches. Out <laughs> um, so I, I read somebody. Oh, go ahead. Um, well, I, I I read somebody noting that um, kind of postulating how you know, given that this was chapter one twenty seven of the manga, and it's a one one to one adaptation from the manga, um, they were postulating what the next couple episodes are going to cover, and in terms of manga chapters, mm-hmm. and you know that like yes there will pretty much most definitely be a movie because there's going to be uh i think seven chapters of manga left unadapted oh 13 13 chapters of, of content left to cover do we know the um by the, the end of the season do we know the numbers of those chapters that they aren't going to adapt yes basically yeah so i'm i'm going to read off this this internet post real quick because they they laid it out very nicely um so they said 
We just did chapter 127 of the manga, which this episode is a one-to-one adaptation of. The, chap- the manga is 139 chapters long, and the anime also skipped most of chapter 123, which is a flashback to when, as Hanji mentioned in this episode, the gang lived in Marley for a few months. So there's roughly 13 chapters of content left to cover. From what we know, it seems like the next three episodes will cover the next three chapters of the manga. The leaked episode names are the same as the manga chapter names. And I believe it has been said that the skip chapter 123 will be adapted into the same episodes as 130. 130 is mostly big dramatic two-page spread, so it would fall short of being a full episode on its own, lengthwise. So by the end of the season, in three episodes, there will be nine chapters of manga left to adapt. This is why people think there will be a movie, as those nine chapters are mostly action scenes right up to the end, especially after chapter 133. Oh, so 133 so, is the ending is the ending where where so people think that the ending of the season is going to be. Well, I, I think that they're thinking that 130, chapter 130 will be the end oh, okay. of this season and then chapters 131 through 139 will be the movie. Got it. Okay. Writing that down in my notes for later because I'm definitely, unless everything's coming out all at once, I'm definitely going to be reading those. Yeah, I thought that was a a very fine job this person did of spelling all that out and and Mm -hmm. analyzing all that. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm confident that this is, that this is correct. That reading this makes me feel like, well, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to do a movie to capture you know, do the last nine chapters. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they would do a very long last episode. I don't think that would cover it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think so. So not nine during the powwow. Um, we get a little bit of Yelena backstory, but it's not like too much backstory, but it's like enough where I'm like, what's Yelena up to? Who is she? Where does she come from? Where does she go? Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, so they, they don't play up the shockingness of Elena's backstory, but uh, it is a really interesting twist that Elena is a self-loathing Marleyan, you know, in comparison to the hardcore nationalism of uh, some of the other characters, Yelena's yeah. on the opposite tip, right? Yelena hates her her own country so much that she has adapted another identity to to you know work, actively work against it. Yeah, that was wild. I was like, oh, okay, so that's her angle because like we always knew her, she was from Marley, right? <laughs> like I didn't feel like that was mm. like that was a big reveal, but like the fact that she like made up her entire backstory. <laughs> to like the characters in the show was wild. Mm-hmm. Just so that she could be a part of history. Is that how you guys interpret it? Like, Oh, I need to be remembered for something. Uh, well, I, I didn't be. view it as a little bit. Yeah. But I, well, she would be a the little only, bit, but I, I didn't, she would be the only Marley in really in history that would have gone against what Marley stand for, like stood for stands, stood for, stood for. <laughs> 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 um, and 
Yeah, that would absolutely put her in history books if there is a book to be written in the future because we don't know because Aaron's going to kill everyone anyway. So, yeah, but I, I didn't, I didn't view Yelena's uh, attitude as being this like self-centered. Oh, I just want to be a celebrity. I want to be a famous person that goes down in history. Mm. I, I viewed it as more of a social justice style. Like, oh, I, I need to find you know, a oppressed identity such as, you know, someone that has been oppressed by the Marlians. So I have reason to, you know, fight back. So I have reason to save the world, you know, Mm. so I have, because she talks a lot about how saving the world just sounds so good. You know, it's a little, a little voice of heaven whispering in your ear. I know while she was stroking on peak. I was like, what is happening here? It's a little Yuri vibes. <laughs> yeah, I also I also felt like, dude, you're you're awfully close to Peak's eyeball. Does anybody actually like it when you touch somebody's you know, when somebody touches your face and you're that close to your <laughs> eyeball? Like, good God. Uh, that I would be I was like, dude, is she gonna just like randomly poke Peak in the eye or something? That sounds too yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, discomforting. Why are we stroking um, Peak right now? <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, that's a fair question, too. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, you know, Yelena, Yelena's angle to me comes, yeah, comes across more as like, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a, a righteous cause to get behind. And I want to, you know, I will adapt myself so that the cause makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't feel like she could be a Marley and, you know, arguing against Marley. She felt like she had to, find an identity of an oppressed person so that she had reason to fight against Marley. Ooh, I didn't bring this up in the, about the last episode, but um, Hanji mentions very, very small in passing that um, Levi is healing so nicely um, because he is of Ackerman blood. So I was wondering like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? That means something, right? That's a, that's a foreshadowing thing. I feel like. Well, they they talked about the uh, Ackerman thing in season three that the Ackerman were like the the king's guards, and they're like genetically predisposed to be super strong and and super tough, and they you know kind of like a a chow, you know they they attach to one individual and you know kind of mold their identity and mold their behavior around supporting a singular individual. And that was how Levi was towards um, Irwin, right? And that's why Levi's Levi's goal now is just to kill Zeke. And I think Levi is less concerned with the broader picture. He's just like, no, I, I just really want to kill Zeke on an individual level because that's the one thing for Irwin that I wasn't able to do. You know, it's the one dangling, unfulfilled task in my, you know, self-placed obligations towards Erwin. Um, this is also why Mikasa is so stuck on Aaron, right? Because Mikasa is of the Ackerman lineage and her kind of chosen person is Aaron. So she molds all of her agency and, and all of her decision-making, all of her behavior around Aaron. That's why Aaron wanted to get rid of the scarf, you know, because mm. she's, he's looking for Mikasa to break out of that, behavior pattern and and kind of find her own initiative, find her own inspiration, become her own person rather than modeling herself after Aaron. I was thinking maybe there was something with their blood, like with the spinal fluid there, people could turn into other things. (laughs) 
No, sorry. It's not that. Oh, because you read. <laughs> no, be, they talked about this in season three. This isn't this isn't me spoiling anything. Yeah. Um, so John. John recalls Marco's cremation and how he works and how he works. Never forgive how he would never forgive him if he didn't join the alliance to stop Aaron. There's sort of a flashback to Marco and a recall to their relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Marco stuff does a good job of going full circle. Cause we see Gene kind of reflecting on Marco in the beginning of the episode. Then at the end of the episode, this comes back up. Um, that, yeah, like Marco comes back up again and, and that, uh, Marco's death kind of gets a little bit of resolution with Gene beating up Reiner, but nobody beats up Annie and I, that Annie gets off really <laughs> fucking scot-free for having killed Levi's entire squad in season one. You'd think Levi would be kind of pissed at Annie, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Well, he's got to recuperate. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, I, I feel like, I mean, they keep beating up Reiner, but you know, they can afford to beat up Annie too. Like <laughs> the beating <laughs> up of people can get spread around here. Okay. It should yeah. just have like a Royal Rumble in the woods. Everyone let's <laughs> go nuts. No, I love Reiner getting beat up. Nobody came to your pity party, my guy. Like, get over yourself. Get over whatever this is that you need to get over because we got some real things we need to do here. We need to stop Aaron or you're going to die anyway. But I mean, like, I guess you want to die. So, like, whatever. But, like, why are you bringing everyone else down with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm over Reiner. <laughs> like, I'm so over him. Yeah. I'm I'm also losing sympathy for Reiner's constant like oh just beat me up I deserve it <laughs> like uh, so melodramatic he's such a teen drama am I right you know yeah yeah totally <laughs> I'm with Levi on this one everyone just needs to shut the fuck up like y'all being too loud <laughs> like y'all need to calm your asses down and eat some soup gain your strength get a little nap in and like shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, Levi and Hanji seem to be on a similar uh, wavelength like that. Because Hanji also is like, can you, you know, can we just chill? Like, we're in agreement right now that genocide is wrong. We're in agreement about, you know, more or less in agreement about what we want to do moving forward from here. So we don't got to worry about the past. Meanwhile, Magath is like, hey, do you remember 2,000 years ago, you know, this shit happened? Is like, 2,000 years is a long fucking time, you know? It's like people still. Yeah, it's it's and and I get that people still argue about things that happened like in real life people still argue about things that happened 2000 years ago but mm-hmm. uh like come on man you know like ain't nobody as as Hanji says ain't nobody ain't none of you alive when that was happening like why do you fucking care it's got nothing to do with you now mm-hmm. like sure it's it it you know like set up institutions that influence us today but uh at a certain point, you just gotta, you know, live the life that you currently have. So I, I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I don't buy McGaths, you know, like, oh, don't you know that historically the Eldians were baddies? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a long fucking time ago, dude. I never yeah. been with a baddie. <laughs> yeah. 
we have any, any final other, thoughts? yeah, any final thoughts? Any other big things we want to hit on? Yeah, we br- we kind of brushed up on brushed upon the fact that uh, Kiyomi is a hostage by Flock. Flock has her hostage, so it's like you know. I guess we could kind of um come to the conclusion that this is sort of like their last defense uh, against the new alliance, the Jaegers' last defense against the, you know, them taking the airship up and following Aaron. But we'll find out in the next episode. Yes. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Hopefully the animation's better. <laughs> I need I need I, feel I need, like... I need everybody to calm down and stop yelling at each other and because all of the all of the yelling is like very annoying. <laughs> yeah, they got to get the all these things out in the open. And then it'll just be uh, pure chaos after that all action. I'm so ready. I'm ready for the chaos. You know that's what I'm here for with Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Euphoria mm-hmm. style. Season two Euphoria <laughs> style. Yes. Huh. I need someone uh. to slam Gabby up against a brick wall. <laughs> like, d- she deserved that kick she got. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us on our Attack on Titan journey. If you would like to chat with us about Attack on Titan in between episodes, we have a dedicated Attack on Titan chat in our Discord server. Lots of fun, lots of memes, and links for that, of course, are in the show notes. And we will catch us here next week where we'll get into episode 85 or Traitor. See you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye.